fails. <laughs> and so we can move on. But the other is for you to use during worship. There's a little space there for notes, but also I encourage you, they're, they're on that back door, take them home um, and use them for personal worship throughout the week. Uh, so this week I, I got to assemble something uh, and it reminded me of the time that I was trying to fix my daughter's Honda and um, I had to take off the alternator of my daughter's Honda, the little Civic. You know, the Civic, if you've ever seen me in, ever saw me in her car, it was like Mr. Incredible, you know, getting inside the car. It was not a car I got in, it was a car I put on. It was uh, small, and, and trying to get these giant sausage fingers down in there to try these things off, you know. So, so what do you do when you're going to fix something you've never fixed before? First, you ask Ricky. And if he's available, then you thank him and you get it done. If, but if Ricky's not available, the next thing you do is you pull out YouTube, right? You pull out YouTube and you see the video, right? They have all the tools that work that are specifically made for it. The car they work on is nice and clean. You know, it doesn't have glitter stuck in there and M&Ms rolling around. It's nice and clean. Um, and then what do you do? You watch it, but you always have to hit pause, don't you? Always hit pause. And then you try to do it like mine doesn't look like that or, or and then, you know, and, and so then you rewind it, you hit pause, you rewind it. I'm telling you that because uh, this letter to the Romans, it, it was intended to be read from verse one all the way to the end. Right. It was, you were going to sit down and you were going to read it like if I sent you a letter, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect it to take six months. You know, Rev, we are on the third sentence of your letter and we agree. Spring is wonderful. Thank you. Right. We would we would go through it. But when things are important, or when we, we want to absorb it, it is right and good and true that we take it in pieces. I'm telling you that because every week I probably say the same thing. This text, it resides in the context. And so even though for Kelsey we chose John 6, right, it was in the context of the gospel. So those of us in the church know what has gone on between then uh, and chapter 6 of John, right? Christ has been introduced. Christ is telling everyone, I'm the bread of life. Christ is saying, I'm a greater one than Moses. I have come to give you uh, water that will not dry up. I've, instead of needing a well, you'll become a well. Uh, Jesus has done all of those things in that context. And now when we get to chapter 6, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 5 of Romans, we are, we are closing down what I've said the last few weeks was a, just a bundle of blessings that we get when we are justified, when we are saved. We have peace with God. We're given entrance. We stand in His grace. In my mind, I've thought about all those movies, right, where uh, the, the, the couple is trying to go to the latest club in Los Angeles, and there's a line going out the door, right? And then there's the one goofy guy, Right, and he's with the cool guy, and the cool guy gets in, and before you, and the goofy guy's talking to somebody, and he turns around, all of a sudden the bouncer won't let him in. Right, I mean, four out of five '80s movies have that scene. Right, no, I'm with him. I'm with him, and he gets thrown out, and they get in a fight. No, I'm with him. Right, Uh, the beauty of justification is the Christian is with him from start to finish. Beauty of what Kelsey and we have celebrated today. If someone has been taken from the kingdom of darkness and, and, and transported to the kingdom of light. God has done this all of his own grace and his own timing. 
I said, now you belong to me. And so he is closing up this just beautiful chapter of the abundance of God's mercy and the depth of his grace and what we have. Um, And so last week we finished with verse 11 when he says, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So um, that, that last phrase, through whom, right? Jesus Christ, through whom, uh, it, it's all through this chapter, and you'll find it's all through Scripture. And so I'm going to give you a couple of doctrinal statements or uh, maybe terms, doctrinal terms. Um, one is unity with Christ. Uh, and, and tons of books. Uh, Rankin Wilburn wrote just a beautiful one recently, Our Union with Christ. Okay, so we will refer to it all the time, our union with Christ. Uh, that, that just means that, that we are joined to him as his people. Right? You're, you're baptized on, from your head. On your head it flows down. I belong to him. I, I'm, I'm in Christ. I am united with him. Where he goes, I get to go. The relationship he has worked on for the Father is now given to me through faith. Okay, so that's union with Christ. The other one we'll talk to, about today is called federal headship. And I just, we've got to use the term because terms actually help us understand. Uh, it's not to like prove I'm smarter than other people and I know things other people don't know. But this federal headship, we will see it all throughout Scripture. This concept of there is a, a, a person who has responsibility for other persons. And those other persons are either blessed or cursed according to who their federal head is. One of the easiest ways to explain that is what happens to Russians now when you meet them because of their president, right? We think of the whole nation. We tend to kind of think of the whole nation. Uh, and you've heard me pray for Russian Christians, Ukrainian Christians, uh, you know, as a reminder, like, okay, you've got one person who may do something terrible. What do we think of North Korea, right? We immediately think of who's running that country, right? Who is, who's in charge? Uh, and I, I probably told you this before, that when I became a U.S. citizen, my oldest sister, who lived in Australia, who traveled a lot, said, oh, Marky boy, don't give up your Australian citizenship. It's so much easier to travel. The world loves Australians. They're kind of here and there about Americans. And she goes, you can, tr- you can travel to places with an Australian passport, and they'll see you're an Australian passport, and you'll get treated differently. Right? <laughs> that, that's just a status on a piece of paper. Okay, so federal headship says that, that human beings... Will, will exist under one of two heads, one of two bosses, one of two saviors. And so we're going to see that in the text this morning. The kind of the overarching question of this text, I think as, as, as you're reading this letter, it's kind of like uh, you've talked about the death of God's son, but how or why does this work this way? All right, so think of that in your mind uh, as we read. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 21. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Therefore, 
Therefore, is all that he's argued beforehand. Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated. I uh, titled the sermon, Two Communities. And, and I, and I, I want to postulate to you that the entire human race exists in one of two communities. We see it in Scripture from the very start. We see two communities, two heads, two leaders of communities. Think about this. There's Cain and Abel. There's Jacob and Esau. There are Jews and Gentiles. There's light and darkness. There's clean and unclean. There's sheep and goats. There's humble and proud. There's righteous and unrighteous. Ultimately, there's Jesus and there's Adam. We classify people sometimes Christian and non-Christian. Two communities. Uh, two distinct communities. Now you'll have a variety of communities in your life. We have a community of our local church, a community of your family, uh, maybe who you work with are communities. And so sometimes there's intersections in all of these. There is no intersection in these two communities. Uh, Scotty, and you should, you should listen to this, it'll be posted online. Scotty taught today on the church in Smyrna and um, gave a beautiful picture of what it meant to be a Christian in Smyrna. Uh, and there were two distinct communities in Smyrna. There were those who would willingly say Caesar is Lord and their business would thrive and they'd be healthy and happy. And then there were those who would say Jesus is Lord. Ever wonder why? When you look across the world, there are certain regimes like China that hate Christians. 
Like, why are they picking on Christians? Why do some of these regimes allow various forms of Hinduism and Buddhism and uh, Confucianism and all? Why do they allow all of those? And why, why do they focus on Christianity? Because Christianity and Christians will not, are not, to worship other gods. They're not to say, Biden is Lord. Trump is Lord. And, and so two communities. Um, I, I think about this sometimes <laughs> with uh, dating relationships. Like I talk to Christian kids and uh, they go on a date and I'm like, well, is so-and-so a Christian? I don't know yet. And I always, <laughs> my response is always, that's the first question. <laughs> Can I have your phone number? I don't know. Can you have my phone number? I mean, it, it, to me, you know, just, and again, you're like, oh, Mark, you're a pastor. You think about this, you get paid for it all the time. But, but it's, like, it's like two separate beings. One being says, I belong to Christ. He is my head. He tells me what is right and wrong to think and do. He actually, he actually corrects my feelings and emotions and has, has me in his palm. He, he, I belong to him. That's why when we get to chapter 6, when we get in, in Corinthians where he's talking about fellowship with light and darkness, he's basically saying it's, it's just like you've got two different machines. One is metric and one is English. Right? And they just don't work together. Um, John 8. This is an amazing thing. John 8. The Pharisees answering Jesus, they say to him, Abraham is our father. Right? So you know what they're saying. We belong to the seed of Abraham. We belong to God's chosen people. That's our community. Jesus, you don't need to instruct us. We don't need you. Abraham is our father. And this is what Jesus says to them, John 8, 39. Jesus says, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works Abraham did, but now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, this is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. You know, when they're saying that, they're, they're talking about the virgin birth. Right? They're just like, that, that's you, Jesus. You were born of immorality. We have one Father, even God. And Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. The Pharisees were saying, we belong to the community of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Jesus is like, no, you don't. You think you belong to that community, but you actually belong to your father, the devil. Uh, the sermon in the sentence this morning, all humanity 
is ultimately absorbed or maybe subsumed is a better word into one of two communities. One is in Christ and the other is in Adam. One is characterized by sin and guilt and the other is characterized by grace and faith. Brothers and sisters, this is why when Christians divide over race, over politics, over types of music, that it's just a horrible affront. Because what Christians are saying is there's a subset to this community that, that is more important to me. So when you get to, um, there's, there's that passage in Galatians that gets misquoted all the time, and we'll probably hear it more and more, so pay attention to this, okay? You'll probably hear this more and more with the coming challenges for Christians. They will use this verse, Galatians 3, uh, they'll use Galatians 3:28. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female for you all are one in Christ Jesus. Anybody heard that used? It'll, it'll come out. You'll find it. You'll find liberal denominations that will say, see, there's, that doesn't really matter. But here's the context. Paul is saying, uh, you are either in Christ or you're not in Christ. And in Christ's community, what matters is Him. And so these other things in other communities, they divide people, they cause these hierarchies, right? Who's at the, who's at the top of this group, of this community? Um, so here's the rest of the context. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So he's saying, oh, church, please don't divide over Jew or Greek or slave or free. There's no way that the church of Christ could be divided over male and female. All of these things that would give you status in one community or another, that would define who are you with, who are your people, all of that pales because you're in a greater community. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. There are two communities in the world, and our rugged individualism as Americans fights against it. I, I, I we feel it's unfair that when Adam sinned, as this text says, that, that all of his progeny, all of his descendants were guilty because of it. I want to tell you, I mean, it, it, it doesn't seem fair, but I want you to know that, that the soul that sins will die, right? The, the scriptures, you're, you're, not, you're not sent to hell because of Adam's sin. What he said in those first four chapters is no one is without excuse, right? But he is explaining this concept. And I'm telling you, it is helpful. It is helpful for the person that says, God made the world so good, why is it such a mess? If God's so wonderful, if creation was perfect, why is it such a mess? Why do these horrible things happen? And seemingly at times, the worst things happen to some of the best people. Why is this happening? And the apostle says, oh, you've got to see this. Sin came through the world through one man. Now, if you just pause for a minute and think about that, there's what, what, what he is saying and what it means to us Mark Kuyper's sin matters to a holy God, but
But Mark Kuyper's sin has an effect on Tammy Kuyper and Jordan Kuyper and Luke Kuyper and Anna Miranda and Tim and his church and his neighbors and his grandkids and society. We see it. We can't deny it. Your, your sin affects the whole. It is the nature of it. It is one of the lies of the evil one. Is that your sin is just this private thing that happens between you and others and you're not hurting anyone and nothing could be further from the truth. Our sin hurts all of humanity. And what the apostle is saying, you wonder what happened. Well, Adam acted as a representative. Now, Adam had a different standing, right? Think about this. Adam was born sinless. He was born to live forever. Adam didn't need to wear clothes. As they said in the South, they were naked. (laughs) Didn't need to wear clothes. Didn't have to hide anything. There was nothing to be ashamed of. And Adam would walk with the pre-incarnate Christ in the garden. Can you imagine those garden walks? If you see Kay's garden, her friends come over and they look at all the flowers and stuff and they walk through and this is about to bloom. Can you imagine walking in the garden with with the pre-incarnate Christ, God himself walking in the garden with you? So he had an existence far superior than any of us have had thus far. And he, acting as the head of humanity, chose to rebel. He chose to rebel. And he chose his own intellect. He looked at what he saw. It seemed rational to him. He believed a lie. You know what the lie was? The lie was there is a life to be had outside of this relationship with God that is better. There is, it's the same lie he tells every one of us. God is withholding from you something wonderful, something good, something that's going to make you happy. And he acting on behalf of all humanity, okay? Acting like the the President of the United States when he signs a declaration of war. What is he saying? My country is at war with this country. And his actions will have an effect on all of the citizenry. We worry because gas prices might go up, right? But, But it'll have an effect. Right? You think about those people in the Middle East. You know, those poor innocents that are, that are ruled by these terrible, terrible oligarchs and leaders and, and, and their villages are bombed because of what their leaders are doing. Right? I'm just telling you, it's the way it is. We, we, again, as Americans, don't like that. I like to feel like uh, we are all responsible for our own things. But think about this. Um, when you raise a child and you're trying to find where that child's going to fit in, Right, they go to this big school, it's got a thousand in their class. And you're like, where are they gonna fit in? Like I, I never forget the time I dropped off my daughter and, and there are these kids that look kind of shady, you know. And I'm like, don't talk to them. <laughs> no, I didn't say that, but I was like, what if she comes home and, and she starts to change her clothes? Right? What what does she have to do to fit into this group? And if you're a parent and you've raised a child and you love that child, that's what you think about. They're in this group. It may be drama. It may be sports. It may be the grunge scene. You know, it was easy for us. We only had four groups in my high school. Right? We had the stoners. Probably still have stoners today. I don't know. You know, the stoners. And then we had the band buddies. 
right? All those people that played, and you had uh, the jocks, and then you had the drama crew. So you, you, you're, you would find your place in one of those four groups. That would be your community, and that community had an effect on you. In that community, you didn't, have, you didn't even have to write it down, but in that community, eventually, what was important to that community became important to you. And you might have even found yourself, <clears throat> when I'm at church youth group, I act this way, because that's what's important here, right, in that community. But when I'm with these people, it's important that I do this. You know, if, if you come to Three Rivers, it's almost like imperative that you, you got to know something about football, Right, you just gotta, you know, you gotta pretend that you care about the NBA or, or whatever. Just, you know, there's just those things that fit in. And so, what what he's gonna say in the next chapter is, in this community, in this new Christian community, how do we live and how do we act? But, but those communities are ruled by a federal head. And so, in this first couple of verses, 12 to 14 we read about what went wrong. And the scriptures tell us, here's what went wrong. Sin entered the world through one man. And that man was told, if you eat it, you will die. And, and he ate it and he eventually died. There was a spiritual death and there was a physical death that followed. Um, and it says here, death spread to all men because all sinned. Since that point, humanity has died. Uh, he goes on to talk about sin and the law, and, and we'll get to that later, maybe next week. Um, but he says, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Again, his point is that even before the Ten Commandments, the, the law of God was written in our hearts. Before Moses came, uh, people still died. They had this sense of what was right and what was wrong. Uh, so um, everything's messed up. Our story starts with a man, a real person of flesh and blood. Uh, who messed up. Sin entered the world through one man, and he is the father of all humanity. Now, there have been three ways to look at this. Uh, Pelagius and Pelagianism said Adam, really, the only thing he did was serve as a bad example. And so it, sin came through Adam. It really just means he was a bad example, and we follow him in his example, uh, imitating our sin against God. Um, there's a semi-Pelagian view, which is Adam's sinful nature was passed on to us. So we're born with a tendency to sin, right? Uh, anyone that has you know, children find that out pretty early. They don't need to be taught how to rebel, how to sin, how to lie, how to cheat, how to be selfish. They don't need to be taught. You don't blame it on their friends. Uh, you blame it on your wife. No, no, no. Just making sure you're awake. Uh, it's, it's, it's in there nature. But um, the reformers, even before the reformers, uh, said, no, no, what he's teaching here is that sin was imputed to us. And so when it says five times in this passage, all sinned, all died in Adam, that human beings, and I, I'm going to tell you, it, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow, but it does make sense of life. Human beings are born with a sinful nature and a tendency to sin. And, and so we bring this precious bundle home, and, and it's, I mean, it's just true, and I know I've shared this before, but you know, we had our first child. I'm like, we're going to do everything perfect, right? I'm sure we're the only parents that thought that, right? We do everything perfect. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna teach him the Book of Church Order by the time he's four, right? We're going to teach him the Westminster Standards. We're going to, you know... We won't fight in front of him. 
uh, we will only let him watch Bluey, right? We can't let him watch anything else, right? We, we, everything's going to be, you know, and, and then stuff happens. You're like, where did this come from? Oh, I've shared it with you before. I remember like asking my son, why did you do this? And he just looked at me and goes, I don't know, right? Because he didn't know. He didn't say because Adam's sin was imputed to me before I was born. I was conceived in sin and my brother brought me forth and dad, I'm at war with God. No, he didn't tell me that. But that's what was happening. And how beautiful that our God doesn't leave us in that state. But make no mistake, if you get disappointed in humanity, it's because you don't understand this concept. Um, these two communities are introduced. Adam condemns this whole race. He acts as a representative. When one sins, the whole suffers. Uh, it does seem unfair, but sin is unfair. It is awful, and our sins affect others. And as we see it, we should hate our sin even more. Um, but it is, make no mistake, our very own sins that lead us to the wrath and the curse of God. So we see in verse 12, in Adam, he sinned against God, sin enters the world. As a result, death entered humans, and sin spread to all mankind, and there is no exception. So all died because all sin. Verse 14, he says he was a type of the one who was to come. So uh, typology is a bit more than just an example. Uh, a type or a typology means uh, it, it is a, it's kind of a representative that shows uh, what, what is, is going to happen in, in someone else. Uh, and so the rest of this chapter, he goes on to compare and contrast this typology between Adam and Jesus. And um, you know what? We're going to pick this up next week because there's quite a bit. Um, so uh, we're not going to finish this sermon. Just not going to. We're going to hit pause on the YouTube and um, you can rewind it, and then we'll come back to it. Um, but So I'm just going to finish this through verse 14, okay? So, so Adam is a type of the one to come. Adam is a type, then, of the one to come. Um, God has always dealt with mankind through a head and through a representative. Think about it with Moses and with Abraham and with David. Right? And again, Scotty's teaching through Revelation. What does he do? He, he tells the angel of the church. You're the representative of this church. You're the one who is speaking to this church. God has always dealt with mankind through a head and a representative. In fact, um, the Israelites asked for it. Moses, will you stand between us and God? Uh, John Stott writes that the whole story of the human race can be summed up in terms of what's happened because of Adam and what has happened and what will yet happen because of Christ. The cry of the proud heart is, this is not fair, Adam, look what you did. The cry of the humble heart is, it's not fair. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Um, I, I just I want to leave you with that thought. Today we'll, we'll look at the, the rest of this uh, text next week but um, that concept may be hard hard for us again as Americans and as individuals and thinking that we can you know it, it, we stand on our own but um, you know even even in our culture this kind of war against privilege you know that sense that something must be wrong if you have a benefit 
that everyone else doesn't have. Um, Christianity says that, that Adam acting on behalf of, of humankind uh, started a rebellion against God. When you get into Revelation, you see a picture of the war in heaven that even preceded it. And you see, uh, you see the curtains pulled back and you see there was this war in heaven and the, and the dragon, the great serpent, comes down to earth to make war uh, against the woman and against her seed, it says. Um, so just, just, just ruminate on that this week, this idea that there really are, there are two communities. And I, and I say it at times when someone comes to Christ, I'm like, you, you share really more in common uh, with members of Christ's community than you do with your own family if they don't know the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as we come to this table, as we eat this bread and as we drink this cup, will you, will you instill upon us the glory and the wonder of the unfairness of your gospel? Father, we who chose to follow in Adam's footsteps, we who would have been perfectly happy to continue to wage war against you, your gospel, and your glory, you rescued by sending your son. And your son took upon himself what our sins deserved. His death was a greater work than Adam's sin. It had a greater benefit. Now, Father, as we eat the bread and drink the cup, and cause us to believe and to rest and to trust that I am in Christ, that through Christ I have access, I have standing, I've been adopted through his work that he is my head, my God and my Savior, my Lord and my Master. And what a wonderful blessing that is. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake.